into cybersecurity? There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. Welcome to Tuesday, September 26, 2023. I am your host. This is episode number 459, if you can believe that, of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing Podcast. The daily 8 a.m. entertaining, educational, all about good time cyber news podcast. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Divine Dream, Shane Race, Joseph Michelle, DeAndre C. over on LinkedIn, Ms. Alicia Jerry, James Adekudo, Tom Bishop, my man, not only IT, yeeting it all up in here. Forgot the yeet. <laughs> all of you, Matthew Netchi, Ben, Nightbot, Jeffrey, Marcus Kyler, Carrie. Guys, we're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. I don't care if you're on LinkedIn, on YouTube, if it's your first time, or you got the blue badge and you've been here a long time. We are a community, and together we are going to be just absolutely shredding the top cyber news, getting ready for the week, delivering operational value to our stakeholders on cyber risk reduction, or if we're looking to break into the industry, I'm telling you, staying on this podcast, networking with this community, you are going to absolutely mic drop Every single time in an interview, you will be asked, how do you stay current in the industry? And when you say the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing Podcast, I'm not saying, I can't guarantee this, but you may get a high five from across the table. I'm just saying, these things happen. All right, guys, so I'm absolutely pumped for today. It is Tuesday. We got Tidbits Tuesday, so that's coming in hot. Um, You know, so stay tuned for that. Got a great show for you. Before we get into it, Ben with the squad membership. What's up, Ben? Love it, love it, love it. Hey, Jesse Johnson over over there. Left Coast people, how you doing? Guys, if you are interested in getting CPEs, every episode of the Daily, Di- the Daily Diver. What? Did I just have like a buffer overflow in my brain? Listen, every episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing podcast is worth half a CPE. Now you might be like, what am I going to do with a half a CPE? I can't even buy a can of soup with that. Because it stacks two and a half a week, 10 a month. Be sure to say what's up in chat. Take a screenshot, throw it in a folder. Don't think about it again until you record your CPEs. And then on the very limited chance you get audited, you can just archive that folder, push it up to whoever's asking for it and be like, bye-bye. I'm busy. I'm getting ready for the next Daily Cyber Threat Briefing podcast. You should be there too, my friend. Boom. Okay. Hashtag team live. If you don't know what to say in chat, hashtag team live. You are live today. Maybe we'll set a record. Tuesdays are a good day for record setting. 388 is our current record. Let's see if we can pump that higher. Uh, Those are rookie numbers, right? Uh, I'm saying that from Wolf of Wall Street. 388 is amazing, actually. Um, If you're on replay, hashtag team replay in the comments. I'm glad that you all enjoyed yesterday's show when I lost my mind about Bermuda. Trying to be like... uh, um, you know, fitting in with the Caribbean, <laughs> Caribbean countries. Uh, I don't know where that tangent came from, but uh, I enjoyed it uh, as much as you did, I think. Uh, so hashtag team replay, uh, team replay are people too. And I love myself some team replay. Again, shout out to Chris Weaver, who regularly um, puts minute markers on the show stories. And then I pin that comment under the brief. So if you're interested in going back or you're just interested in a specific story, definitely check out those pinned comments. If today is your first time on the stream, if it's your first episode, what's up? Good to have you here. I hope you enjoy the stream. I hope you come back tomorrow. Do me a favor. Put hashtag first timer 
in the comments. We love welcoming our first timers. Um, however you found us, it's amazing. During the mid-roll, we do make an effort to push and amplify to find other newcomers. So it might be how y'all found us uh, this morning. So hashtag first timer in chat. Let us know mods. If you see one, uh, snap it up, would you please? I'd love to uh, see it. Good morning, Kimberly. Guys, before we get into it, I'd love to take a minute and just share um, a little bit about the stream sponsors. Give them a shout out. Uh, much appreciated for them sponsoring the show so I can bring it to you every single day without having to worry about, you know, other things and financial commitments and stuff like that. Shout out to Barricade Cyber Solutions. They're dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for business owners uh, and, or for businesses and send dedicated hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Simple Man Guitar. Hope you enjoy that GRC class. Just saying. I know it's my class, so it's totally uh, biased, but I've heard so many good things about the GRC class. The, uh, the entire reason I made it was to fill a gap in the market uh, of people wanting good GRC content and there being crappy options. So there you go. Also, shout out to um, Max Anthony with the squad membership. Thanks, Max. Hey, what's up, Miranda Redmond? Miranda Redmond with the first timer. Love it, love it, love it. Great to see you. Um, Maybe it's first time li team live. Either way, Miranda, good morning. It's great to see you. Guys, I want to say shout out and thanks to Panopsi. Panopsi um, si uh, uh, Security, run by Brandon Poole. Get a partner who understands your cybersecurity program and your business goals. Here's the TLDR. If you are running an information security program and you're being reactive, not really uh, maturing, not really doing high value, uh, low hanging fruit, risk first, um, you're kind of all over the place putting out little trash can fires left and right. Do me a favor, get with Panopsi Security or at least have a conversation with them. I'm not saying you have to commit money or resources, but have a conversation with them. I think you'll be uh, pleasantly surprised at how Brandon can help do a, um, a risk assessment, a gap analysis for your program, and more importantly, give you a one to three year roadmap that takes into account your threat landscape, your budget, your resources, and your industry, and something that's totally actionable, very, very valuable, not a lot of fluff, lot just a lot of meat if you know what i'm saying panopsi cyber a links in the description below panopsi.com also anti-siphon training but more about them at the mid-roll <clears throat> we got a lot to get to and not a lot of time to do it i do teach today i am faculty at the citadel military college tuesdays and thursdays i have to teach i did move my schedule around so i could accommodate the simply cyber community uh, but I still do have that commitment. So let's get into it. It's going to be uh, quick and dirty. We got the mid-roll. Sit back, relax, each of you, please. And let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over all of us in an awesome wave. I will see you, Alicia Jerry, at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. What's up, Jerry Levert? It's Tuesday, Levert. September 26th, 2023. Mixin Network loses $200 million. There you go. The decentralized finance startup disclosed on September 25th that a cyber attack against its cloud service provider database saw it lose $200 million in cryptocurrency over the weekend. Mixin suspended deposits and withdrawals until it could fix the vulnerability. Transfers remain available to customers. Assuming no recovery of assets, this likely marks the fifth largest crypto loss from a cyber attack in the last two years. Mixon began working with Google and the blockchain security firm Slowmist to investigate the attack. All right, a couple things. One, uh, I don't know if you guys heard it, but hey, Jerry Le Leverett, uh, first timer. Second of all, uh, I forgot to mention this in the intro. I do not prepare, research, or know what the stories are going to be as they come up. So this is literally me reacting in first take. <clears throat> all right first of all i'm a crypto evangelist i love it love it love it that is our friend charles finfrock war goons guys great story with war goons hashtag first timer immediately jumps in head first into the deep end of the community and now uh one month already war goons it seems like just yesterday so definitely uh appreciate it holler 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 okay guys cryptocurrency platforms i guess um not everybody's got the message that the crypto winner is here, that crypto has very little utility. 
um, mix and network hit for $200 million. Now, this um, normally uh, when you see a um, a crypto attack of like any substantial amount, like $200 million, um, you, your first thought should be Lazarus Group, right? North Korea, Lazarus. I mean, this is in Hong Kong, which is in their uh, neck of the woods. Not that Lazarus Group gives a crap about geographical boundaries, but um, however, they said that this is an attack on the, um, where is it? It said something about a database. Uh, do, 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 uh, yeah, right here. The statement explained that attackers compromised Mixon's cloud service provider database on September 23rd, which by the way, that was only three days ago. So whoever, whoever's in charge over at Mixon's probably still, you know, pounding Pepto-Bismol, uh, double fisting it and probably um, wondering what they're going to do about this. Um, compromising a cloud service provider database, that, I mean, that could be Lazarus Group. Anytime there's crypto money involved, it could be Lazarus in North Korea, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. Without the details here, this could have been a misconfigured database, right? Like uh, public facing when it shouldn't have been. It could have been crappy credentials. It could have been a whole bunch of things. Now, there is a little bit of savviness because threat actors would have to move. What's up, Casey? Threat actors would have to move, um, not just get in, right? So if you find a public-facing uh, database or a misconfigured database and you log in, it's not like you can just, like, fill your arms with crypto money and, like, walk out the door and be like, ooh, like, twisting your mustache and stuff. No, like, you have to have wallets set up. You have to be... Uh, prepared to be able to move the money from their wallets to your wallets. You have to um, do it in a way where they're not going to detect it. I mean, you'd have to think that, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't know enough about crypto, but like, can you move 200 million in one transaction? I guess like, you know how like in um, banks and stuff, there there's thresholds, right? Like over a certain amount, you need additional uh, approval, you know, these type of things, or you can only do so much per day. Um, maybe in the crypto space, that's not about it, but you would think with a freaking cryptocurrency exchange, um, they would put some type of, um, uh, mechanisms in place around that. Um, it says they contacted Google and a blockchain security company called slow mist. Um, my thoughts are with Google, um, what they mean is Mandiant, right? So Mandiant is, if you don't know, Mandiant is like the, you know, 500 pound gorilla in the room when it comes to um, incident response, right? So I don't know if you know this, but like whenever, like Colonial Pipeline, Mandiant, US federal government, OPM, Mandiant. Now, uh, Google did purchase them last year or earlier this year for some huge amount of money. So when they say we contacted Google, uh, my thought is that what they mean is Mandiant. So it's very serious. We'll see what's happening. A lot of times with, um, a lot of times with these platforms, when crypto gets stolen, they make sure in, that the um, customers of the platform do not lose their money. They, they like make them whole, kind of like the way that um, in, in, in the United States, I think it's called FICA. No, no, no. What is it? Uh, federal deposit and FDIC, right? So in the United States, if someone robs a bank, you, you don't lose your money be up to 250 grand, I think. Uh, so I usually these uh, platforms do it because if you lose your money on the platform, you might as well um, you might as well <laughs> clear out your desk and you know get a cheap ticket to like somewhere nice because no one's going to use your platform anymore and it's instant death. It's a downward spiral, catastrophic. So they're definitely going to make them whole on this. All I would say from a practitioner <coughs> perspective here is one, uh, if you're dabbling in crypto or you have a crypto platform, you work in fintech. Fintech is highly volatile and very dangerous from a cybersecurity risk perspective. You absolutely should be investing heavily, not just in cybersecurity, but in IT, right? So if this was a misconfigured database, InfoSec may not have found that. They could say, hey, you should follow CIS best practices for configuration standards. But IT is the one who has to implement them. And this is where we get into that crux of like IT versus InfoSec and how IT and InfoSec are not the same. And sometimes they have conflicting objectives, right? So anyways, um, another crypto platform. At, at this point, I, 
I hate to say sound like a naysayer, but like if you're still messing around with major amounts of money that matter to you in crypto, you really, really should be careful. It's it's not a good spot. Hey, James Casebolt, first timer. Good to see you. Kia and Hyundai exploit linked to massive car thefts. <clears throat> in January 2022, thieves stole 85 Kia and Hyundai vehicles in Chicago. By October, that spiked to over 1,400 vehicles. Milwaukee saw thefts of the brands jump 2,500% to account for two-thirds of all cars stolen in the city. Other metro areas saw other astronomical jumps. These thefts are possible because over 9 million vehicles from the brands shipped in the U.S. without an engine immobilizer, allowing anyone with a simple USB connection to a phone to hotwire a car. Kia and Hyundai released a software update to add an ignition kill feature to prevent these thefts, but roughly 2 million of these vehicles cannot receive the update. In July, Carfax reported 5 million vehicles either didn't receive it or weren't eligible for the update. All right. Give, give me just one hot second, okay? Give me one second. Uh, talk amongst yourselves. Dr. Pepper, not a doctor, not a pepper. Discuss. I'll be back in like one second. All right. For some reason, my HVAC system decided to kick on and turn it into the surface of the sun in here. I'm like, there's like a heat hot air blowing down on me it's like 80 degrees i don't know why i got hot air blowing on me but uh it's like melting me i had to turn a fan on jesus um okay so check this out um car that all right so look at this look at this spike in chicago this is ridiculous dude what's up queued up this is crazy um right here that's a crazy spike all right so check it out what is happening here um, there was a move maybe, um, I don't know, like six months ago where there was a viral TikTok uh, trend where two guys or a group of guys, whatever, I, I didn't really see it, um, were showing literally step-by-step -step how to steal a Kia and a Hyundai. And essentially, it was very, very easy. You just had to like basically um, bypass something. You remember in the old days, in the old movies, you'd get under the dashboard, like you'd pop, like Chuck Norris would like punch the dashboard and like a bunch of wires would come down. He just wouldn't even look. He would just grab two wires and like, psh, 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 and car starts, right? Well, it's basically like that, except now you stick a USB stick in a screwdriver and boom, it steals. Now, a couple of things here. One, you need to uh, break into the car, right? So I guess um, I I'm assuming this this theft tr technique is just starting the car and stealing it. It's not breaking into the car. So you've got you know another kind of action there where if you leave your car unlocked, it's pretty straightforward. But uh, the 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 thieves would have to break into the car, then steal it. I I'm going to share this really quickly. They were called the Kia Boys. Um, and BSEC has dropped this in podcast. I mean, uh, in chat here. If you're interested in uh, learning more about this, this is from the Hacked podcast, and it's it goes deep into this particular story. Okay, so what what is going on here? Gen Z, younger people, I guess, you know, for kicks, for the lulls. You know, guys, let's be real. At some point, all of us were or, or going to be, right? Kennedy, not yet. But at some point, uh, we were, you know, 16 to 22. We probably made some great decisions. We probably made some idiotic decisions. We got a little taste of freedom. We don't really understand true repercussions of our actions and stuff like that. So um, that's who's targeting this. And when it's something so easy, you know, if you're bored or whatever, you know, hey, let's steal a car. It seems like a good idea. Now, it's a massive felony. It's Grand Theft Auto. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it. And on top of that... Think about the victims, man. It sucks. Uh, like, there's definitely people who got up in the morning to go to their one of their two jobs, right? Because they're working two jobs to make ends meet and stuff. And they go out and their car's missing, right? Like, oh, okay, thanks. Like, maybe they lost their job because they didn't get to work that day. Maybe <clears throat> they didn't have insurance, right? That's not uncommon nowadays for people to not pay for insurance. So now, like, good luck. Your car's gone. You're out, whatever. Oh, and by the way, if you were paying on a lease or paying on a auto uh, loan, enjoy continuing to pay that off without a car anymore. So really, it's 
the whole thing about it is scummy. Like I, I hate um, when individuals are victimized who did nothing wrong. It's not like they were like, oh, I've got to, I'm going to go out and buy a Kia now because you know, to heck with those Kia boys, like let them try to steal my car. No, it's just, it was just some people owned a vehicle and they were just trying to get, get going. Now, um, I do not blame Kia and Hyundai for making their vehicles easy to steal, right? Like I'm sure when they were doing um, QA, QC, they, they didn't hire like car hackers to come in and be like, all right, hack my car and see what we can get, right? Maybe they do add that now as part of their QA, QC process from lessons learned. But unfortunately, the cat is out of the bag. And, you know, this this evidence is freaking it's it's it, this is objective evidence. The spike is ridiculous. Now, I do want to point out, you see this massive this massive downturn. You could see here that at, at its peak it was October of 22, November of 22. And then this massive downturn. You have to imagine, at least in Chicago. I And by the way, I don't know if there's any Chicago law enforcement people on Team Live or Team Replay. But you have to imagine, um, they obviously noticed this ridiculous spike. 1,400 in October, 50 in, uh, or 127 in June, right? So almost a 10x increase in, in armed, uh, in, in, uh, Grand Theft Larceny or Grand Theft Auto. So this dramatic spike down tells me one of two things. Either A, the law enforcement got serious about it, or B, there weren't any more Kias to steal, right? People stopped buying them. All, they'd all been stolen. So that's also possible, although I doubt it. I mean, 1,500, there's definitely a lot more Kias and Hyundais flying around than 1,500. Um, okay, so final thing to tie it to info, uh, InfoSec and information security people. One, this really isn't a problem for businesses unless you have a fleet of Hyundais and Kias that are part of your like operational fleet, right? So you have cars for your staff, you have cars for transportation, crap like that. Maybe you add this as some type of concern and get the update from Kia or Hyundai to activate the immobilizer, which will effectively nerf this particular attack. Second of all, worth noting if you're interested in this if what i'm talking about right now gives you um a little bit of a uh a, 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 um a tickle right it, it, you're like oh this is interesting i didn't realize you could hack cars i'm totally into that um i do want to remind everybody um that at defcon there is a car hacking village there is an entire field of work in this space if you're interested in car hacking there's talks there's experts, there's all sorts of information, okay? So definitely, definitely check out the Car Hacking Village. You can watch previous talks online um, if you're interested in this, okay? It's, it is a niche uh, area of research in our industry, but it's an important one, and it's a lot of fun, okay? As testing voting equipment. The IT Information Sharing and Analysis Center granted vetted cybersecurity researchers access to voting equipment from vendors Election Systems and Software, Heart InterCivic, and Unisys, an event hosted by MitreCorp. Researchers attempted several attack scenarios from knocking election logbooks offline to stuffing ballots. While results have been publicly released, the equipment OEMs said they've already made changes based on the exercise. <clears throat> AI All right, so voting machines take cyber stress tests. Very cool. All right. So you got to remember, like in the United States, the election process starts way early. Like we're already having debates and stuff like that for the 2024 presidential election, which is over a year away. <coughs> Excuse me. So after we saw what happened in 2020 with, you know, claims of Dominion voting fraud and hacked elections. And I mean, there's still some. There's still some people who are running around um, declaring that, you know, the, the votes were hacked and stuff like that. Um, CISA, uh, like, of course, I'm going to try to shoehorn Jen Easterly into this conversation. CISA and Jen Easterly came out right before and um, talked about CISA's efforts with um, looking at uh, voting machines and election protections and security around that and definitely uh, did their due diligence, also, also offered transparency around that due diligence. Um, so they're just going ahead, the voting machines, they're getting in front of all of this. And 
when they say taken into conspiracy theorists, they're basically engaging the wider community of anyone interested in looking at what's going on with the technology. Um, I consider this essentially the same thing. Okay, this is actually something germane to InfoSec people and um, uh, people breaking in are going to enjoy this. I think this very, very much parallels the way that encryption algorithms are put out to public scrutiny and public evaluation. Anybody that develops their own in-house crypto algorithm, it's not a good one, okay? The ones that are good, like AES, right? And these quantum ones that are coming out, right? And I'm sure just to scratch the CISSP and Security Plus itches, your Blowfish, your Twofish, your Raindoll, okay, all, all of those algorithms. When they're put to public scrutiny, anyone can evaluate them, anyone can find flaws in them, and then we as a collective benefit from that because there isn't a backdoor, there isn't any type of weirdness going on, and there's no weaknesses effectively. So for me, the voting machine companies, Dominion, etc., they're getting in front of this by being open and being transparent. That way, if there is an issue in 2024 and people are screaming, the election was hacked, the voting machine companies can say, what are you, like, what are you talking about? Like, we literally gave a year for our machines, our technology, our software to be evaluated transparently. And these are the ones we're using in the election. So it was fine a year ago. And now there's a problem. Brah, come at me. You know what I mean? Catch me outside. How about that? So this is this is what I think. Um, first of all, I love it. I love um, transparency, public scrutiny, evaluation. I mean, obviously there is sometimes some special sauce uh, that you want to protect and stuff like that. But this is going. This is making um, progress around confidence in election security because in a democratic society if you have compromises in the democratic process the whole the whole thing's going to collapse in on itself like look at some of these countries i'm not going to name any specifically because i don't want to um get political or something but some of these countries are running democratic elections and like you know it's it's like ballots go missing or you know your your um they're, they're counted in like a secret room that only, no one's allowed in or, you know, just, you, you know what I'm talking about. So anyways, the United States doesn't want to roll like that. The United States wants to roll very like, you know, democratically. So that's what's up. Way to go, voting machine companies. Chatbots getting vocal. ChatGPT subscribers <laughs> will get new voice features over the next two weeks. Users will be able to submit queries to the chatbot by voice, as well as with images. And it will also get the capability to respond with text-to-speech with five voice options. Not to be outdone, the Wall Street Journal sources say Meta plans to release generative AI chatbots as soon as this week with several distinct personality options. Test bots seen by the journal include the sarcastic Bob the Robot, the inquisitive Alvin the Alien, and a bot named Garvin, which reportedly made misogynistic remarks to a reporter. <laughs> okay. Shall we play a game? All right, here we go. Uh, there's a lot to unpack in this story. Here we go. Um, Jesus. Uh, okay, so a couple stories here. One, ChatGPT releasing voice commands, the ability to do text-to-speech and stuff like that. Hey, um, like Bard called ChatGPT. Um, you know, your your features are like old news. So like Bard has had this capability for a while. Uh, ChatGPT just catching up. Way to go, ChatGPT, whatever. Second of all, being able to use pictures. I'm, I'm confused what that means. Like, what do you, like, do you, like, put a picture in and say, like, tell me about this? Or do you say, like, I'm trying to create a... Actually, I guess I could see it, you know, personally thinking, like, I take a really cool thumbnail from, like, Mr. Beast, and then I drop it in and I say, hey, I'm making a video about... Um, you know, whatever, the Google cybersecurity certificate, uh, give me a mid-journey prompt that would make a thumbnail similar to this, I guess. I'm not sure. I feel like the lead here, though, is the personalities and the voices. If, if you, I mean, guys, if you wanted to take one step closer to perceived sentiments of AI bots, give them a voice. Give them a voice. And guys, guess what? 
uh, I don't know if you ever saw Avengers Age of Ultron, but like give him a voice like Jarvis. And now you want to like engage with them because they're a little bit more personal, a little bit more human, a little bit more personality. Then take them and put them in a bot body, right? Which, which guys, um, again, Mark Tape, September 26th. Somebody is going to stick this in a bot body. I'm thinking, um, by the way, if I had my druthers, what I would do is put ChatGPT in this guy. Uh, hold on one second. Yeah, kick it old school. This is what I would do. I would put ChatGPT in this guy right here. Have him wander around. You know, I don't think he's mobile. Stick him on a uh, stick him on a Roomba. Have him zip around. All right. But here's my thing. Yes, it's more convenient. We already use vir uh, virtual or digital assistants. Hey, you know, hey Google, like you know, turn my lights on, or hey Google, add this to the shopping list. This type of digital assistant is already pretty integrated. I wouldn't. I would not doubt that hey google turns into hey bard and somehow chat gpt uh personally i think cortana was a complete failure and i don't care that it hooked into the halo ecosystem which i thought was silly like considering who you're targeting but chat gpt if they integrate that into a virtual assist a digital assistant watch out right by the way meta what are you doing like meta Meta, I'm sorry, but Meta spent like $3 billion, $30 billion, $10 million, whatever, on the metaverse, changed their name to the Meta, did all these things, and it's like, like over here is AI and, and ChatGPT blowing up 100 million users in like two months, and, and Facebook or Meta's like, ah, the metaverse, you gotta buy NFTs, bruh, like, and now Facebook's getting on on board. Like I just what a what a misstep uh, by Zuck and like that whole team over there. Honestly, and I know this is going to be a really um, not inclusive reference, but it it looks just like the New England Patriots in a post Tom Brady era. Like with Tom Brady, you know, Meta blowing up like you knew I could. Call the number, same crib, same hood, right? And then post Brady, it's like Meta's like bumbling about like let's do. Let's do this over here. Let's hire uh, Matt Patricia as our def uh, offensive coordinator. Complete crap show. And then, then like, Matt is like, oh, hey, we should get into AI. Guys, have you heard? Like, what are they, like, elbowing each other at the boardroom last week? They're like, hey, have you guys heard of this AI thing? It's cool. Shall we play? We should totally get in on this AI thing. Like, it just, like, the boats haven't just left the harbor. Like, you cannot see them on the horizon. And Meta's like, you know, you know, I don't know, like old timey with like steam trunk lockers, like walking them up onto the boardwalk, wearing like Victorian era like things, you know, like Zuck's like laying like Rose on the couch and asking Jack to draw him. Like, what are we doing? It's so much better. Like, come on. Anyways, I'm excited. Um, careful, the misogynistic bot is out there. You've got to remember the final thing I'll say about this. You've got to remember that. Bots, ChatGPT, I don't care, um, AI in general, it is all based on language, large language models, which most of the large language models corpus data is the internet. So if there's a bunch of crap on the internet, guess what these AI bots are being trained on? Crap on the internet. So garbage in, garbage out. Obviously, that's part of the science of building good AI bots is choosing good content to learn on versus just saying YOLO and letting all the content go. You know what I mean? And now a word from our sponsor, <laughs> App Omni. Are you confident in your organization's SaaS security? App Omni surveyed 600 plus security practitioners globally and 71% answered yes, but 79% experienced SaaS cybersecurity incidents. What's behind this disconnect? CISOs believe they have a mature level of SaaS cybersecurity using CASB, MFA, and IDP. But these solutions lack unified risk visibility. Without SSPM, they're blind to the true extent of their SaaS attack surface risks. Don't gamble with your data. Get the visibility and insights you need to protect your SaaS environment with App Omni.
All right, here we go. It is the mid-roll. Guys, I want to thank all of you for being here today. All the first-timers, all the long-timers. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks for being on this journey with me. I love the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing Podcast, and it's because of all of you. Thank you very much. Guys, if you're getting value from the stream and you want to pay it forward and help other people find the stream, like our first-timers today, I would love it if 335 of you hit the like button right now. And if you're on Team Replay, hit the like button as well. Guys, on YouTube, if you hit the like button, you search for cyber content. Enough of you hit the like button. YouTube algorithm is going to go, hey, holy crap. Everybody that watches this likes it and it's cybersecurity content. So let's go tell other cybersecurity people. L. Scott Munoz with the squad membership. Thank you. Chrissy K picking it up, Carrie picking it up, Emmanuel Dark picking it up, Wanda picking it up, and Patrick Moss picking it up. Enjoy your new squad emotes in the tray. Thank you very much, Scott, uh, for hooking everybody up. Let me give you a little uh, Oprah. Hit that like button, though. Guys, I wanted to take a minute and say thank you to Anti-Siphon Training. Anti-Siphon Training is here to disrupt the traditional training industry by providing high-quality, cutting-edge education to everyone regardless of their financial position, offering students the opportunity to learn from industry experts in a really, really awesome way. Use the link in the description below to go to Anti-Siphon Training, click on the training button, click on pay what you can, which can include $0, okay? You can pay $0 and check out their calendar of upcoming content. I wanna call out really, hey, what's up, Low Country? I wanna say shout out. Look at this, introduction to PCI, October 3rd. Next week, if you want to learn PCI, boom, there you go. At a cost that is affordable to you, whatever that is. Here's a link. Wait, that's not a link. Anyways, thank you, Anti-Siphon Training. All right, guys, I want to tell you about the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Anthony Hernandez currently has the baton. Anthony posted on LinkedIn. I didn't get a chance to see it. I hope Anthony did. Um, but listen... If you want to supercharge your LinkedIn feed, meaning that your LinkedIn feed is just really rich cybersecurity content, if you want to have network connections that are inclusive, supportive, and cybersecurity people, only if that's true, which by the way is massively valuable, do the Simply Cyber Community Challenge every day. One person gets the baton. We, we rotate it every single day so a new person gets it. Go on LinkedIn, search for this hashtag, comment on the posts that people are posting with this hashtag and then connect with them spend 10 minutes spend five minutes a day five minutes do you have five minutes to build a really valuable network i hope so especially if you're looking to break in five minutes and when you comment you're going to get pulled up into this into the um peloton and people will start connecting with you ask in chat for testimonials i'm telling you this is not a gimmick it will build your network on LinkedIn in an amazingly fast way. Super valuable. Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Thank you to all of you. Guys, I want to tell you about this upcoming stream I got this Thursday. Special reminder to the Simply Cyber community of cybersecurity and IT pros. We have a very special Simply Cyber Live this Thursday. As we navigate the evolving tech landscape, there's one platform making waves, the Intel V Pro. We're going to welcome Gary Binder this Thursday, 9.28 at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time on our live stream, diving deep into the capabilities here. We're going to learn how Intel vPro is not just a platform but a solution, enhancing business continuity, manageability, and fortifying security. So if you're serious about staying at the forefront of IT innovation, this is one discussion you can't afford to miss. Set a reminder. Let's discuss organizational cyber risk reduction together live. I'll drop a link to this right now for people in chat. I love it. I love it. I love it. There we go. And finally, every Tuesday, I share a little bit about me in what we call Tidbits Tuesday. See if it resonates with you. Really quickly, I wanted to share a show that I absolutely love, The IT Crowd. This was uh, only on for four seasons. It's a British comedy. You could still find it. Looks like on YouTube, you can um, actually watch it full episodes. Um, the IT crowd on, um, it, it, it's just, it's so freaking good. If you have ever worked in IT, if you've ever worked help desk, if you've ever worked at a large company with IT, um, th this, this show will slap and it will be so good. 
Uh, and it's good for anyone. Taylor Kugel over in Australia, hashtag first timer. Welcome to the stream. You'll love this. Uh, Space Tacos, you'll love this. And BSEC, more than anyone, uh, will absolutely love this. So go check out IT Crowd if you're interested in a great show. It's an older one, but it's wicked funny. And uh, some new people or younger people may not know about it. All right, let's keep going. National Student Clearinghouse hit by Move It Breach. The educational nonprofit disclosed to the California Attorney General that this impacts nearly 900 schools using its services. In its breach notification, NSC said threat actors breached its Move It server in late May, and it determined this impacted student records on June 20th. While data laws varied by individual, it included names, dates of birth, social security numbers, student IDs, and enrollment data. MSISOF estimates that over 2,000 organizations have seen breaches from the move it attack with over 57 million victims. All right. <clears throat> this is, again, this is for those who are naysayers in the industry. Not, I'm thinking of one particular guy. I know he doesn't watch this stream, but for those who think third-party risk is not a concern, not a real issue, this is yet another example of third-party risk. Guys, we live in 2023. People are using SaaS apps all over the place, cloud providers, scale up, realize the potential of the internet, all these things. But dude, when there's a breach of your third party, all of your customers are breached. 900 US schools impacted. So again, um, you know, whatever, College of Charleston, University of Massachusetts, Dakota State University, public schools, private schools, large institutions, Smith College, small institutions, whatever it is, if you are using this uh, platform for your student clearing, whatever, right? Like, are they are they legit students? Are they legit citizens? Are they cleared? Whatever. Um, you were involved in all of that student data is ultimately involved, which really sucks because like, as a student of Dakota State University, I trusted Dakota State University with my data, but then Dakota State, yes, that's it, BSEC. Then Dakota State University um, trusted them without my, you know, my consent uh, to, to, to watch the data. So this is what's happening. Again, MoveIt is a massive breach uh, from the Klopp ransomware gang. If you don't know about MoveIt, okay, this is a serious call to action. If you don't know about the MoveIt breach, you should absolutely Google it and learn a little bit about it, okay? Clop ransomware, move it. It was a massive, massive breach. The reason I'm telling you you should know about it is because most practitioners do know about it. So if you bring it up in an interview or you bring it up at a conference or what, like for whatever reason, people are going to know what you're talking about and you're demonstrating that you are staying current, at least on the major stories, right? Uh, this one is an absolute massive story, uh, probably the biggest breach of 2023. Okay, um, and then finally, from a risk perspective, obviously the schools are going to have to like apologize to the students. Enjoy your free. Uh, ooh, actually, I'm going to be kind of curious to see if the Citadel is in here. Uh, I wonder if they listed the 900 schools. Uh, I told my Citadel students, remember, my students are 18 to 20 years old. I always ask them, I'm like, how many of you have, you know, received a letter about your data being breached and you got identity theft protection? Consistently, zero of them have. This right here, this could be, this could be the opportunity, right? N not to be so ridiculous, but like everybody is going to get their data breached at some point. It's just, it's just too common in 2023. All right. The final thing I'll say about this. With international students in the United States, a lot of colleges require you to demonstrate financial capability to pay for the education, which, by the way, is absorbent. Uh, so in this information, I'm thinking as a threat actor, there is a list. Can, can someone, um, I don't know if someone can look at the list and see if the Citadel's in there, but that would be really helpful. Um, so check it out. Um the TLDR here that I would think of as an attacker is I would take this list. Obviously, you can do your basic phishing attacks, but you're attacking college student, uh, college kids, which typically don't have. Great cash, homie. Right? I mean, I was a starving college kid. I worked for food <laughs> when I was in college. I don't think you guys, um, I, I, I've only, t I've talked about it a little bit on the stream, but like I literally worked for food uh, in college because I was so freaking poor. Um, but what you need to know is if I was a bad guy, I would see if that financial data and then I would go target those families, right? There's been cases where, um, all right, so let's just let's just play out a scenario, right? 
Uh, I send my kid, I live in, I don't know, Argentina. I send my kid to college at Charleston. I have to demonstrate the financial capability to pay for those four years. There have been multiple instances where um, you, you call the phone number of the parent, you use AI to make a voice, you know, kind of voice accurate of the, the son or daughter screaming that they've been kidnapped and that you need to wire X amount of thousands of dollars or, you know, something bad's going to happen to that child. If you call the authority, something bad's going to happen to the child. Hang up. There you go. Wire the money. What parent isn't going to send money to protect their kid, right? That's just one quick gross example, but that's an actual attack vector that is happening nowadays. And that's what this data could be used for. MGM Resorts sees class action lawsuits. Last week, MGM Resorts resumed normal operations after over 10 days of disruption from a cyber attack. Now it's facing two lawsuits from the cyber attack in the U.S. District Court in Nevada. These allege negligence from the company for failing to protect customer data. Thanks, everybody. The about lawsuits to sit it also up. claim MGM should have been aware of increased risk of an attack due to warnings from Okta about social engineering. The Federal Trade Commission declined to comment if it's investigating the incident. All right. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to. So the devil's always in the details, right? The devil's always in the details. But to me, this seems like a cash grab. Great cash, homie. I, uh, if you know me, here's another like uh, tidbits Tuesday. I hate I hate class action lawsuits, right? To me, class action lawsuits aren't about the victims. Class action lawsuits are about um, thirsty lawyers, you know, pouncing. They're basically like um, classy, classy ambulance chasers, right? Like you know, nice nice wingtips, buddy. Enjoy the class action lawsuit. Anyone that's ever been a victim of a class action lawsuit or whatever you want to call it, a, a, a plaintiff, you know you get like a check for $1.37 six years after the, you know it's all done and said, um, or you get nothing. And then the lawyers get you know millions of dollars. So it's, it's to me, it's gross. It's lawyers putting on victim skin and being like, I represent these victims. And it's like, Ah, do you really, though? You're more representing your own financial interest. Okay. So let's look at this. MGM Resorts just got hit by um, what, these um, these young bucks. Um, do, do, they don't even have a name now, right? Is it? I think it's Sprawling Spider or Scattered Spider. So MGM, Caesars, a couple other ones got hit by a, a threat actor group they're calling Sprawling. Uh, uh, scattered spider. And they're supposed to be like young, like 17 to 22 year old, braggadocious, uh, kind of arrogant. And they got at least 15 million from Caesars. I don't know what happened to MGM from a victim perspective. MGM obviously wasn't making money. People who had reservations couldn't check into their hotel room. People that were needed to play the slots, uh, couldn't play the slots. People who need to use ATMs couldn't use ATMs, etc. Um, so this was massive uh, impact across the board. The class action lawsuit is purporting that uh, MGM was negligent in their in their execution of InfoSec because they had already seen previous attacks and they basically just double middle fingers to the sky. Sorry, Kennedy. Double middle fingers to the sky and said, "F it! Like we're just gonna roll on this. We're too busy printing money over here to actually secure our stuff." Now. On the surface, I would find it unbelievable that a company like MGM Resorts, which is hospitality, but really casinos, wouldn't invest in protecting their assets and their network, right? Like they literally are, are, are printing money, basically. So like, why wouldn't they protect it? That seems kind of silly. Second of all, when they say uh, prior warnings about previous attacks, guys, welcome to 2023. Companies are getting attacked all the time. Now, again, the devil's in the details. Maybe there was some egregious attack and there was major intervention and, uh, you know, MGM like settled it out of court, right? Now, if there, if there was true uh, gross negligence, like there used to be like in the early aughts, right? Like the mid aughts, like 2008, 2011, that time frame where it was just gross negligence, then yeah, okay. But for the most part, modern Fortune 500 companies, they're not gross negligent, right? Um, we'll have to, I'm, I'm curious to see how this goes. Again, I feel like this is more of a cash grab. There it is, Scattered Spider. Um, this is more of a cash grab than it is um, 
you know, truly MGM being gross uh, in their in their negligence. So here we go. The story is pointing out MGM's no stranger to cyber attacks. The company was targeted in 2019 by hackers who stole 10 million guest data. Okay, again, that was four years ago, dude. They've probably been attempted to be attacked multiple times since four years ago. So like, if this is what the lawyers are hanging their hat on as far as what is negligence, good luck with that, my friend. Again, like, nah. UK conducting hunt forward operations. The Record published an interview with Lieutenant General Tom Copinger Symes, Deputy Commander of the UK Strategic Command. In it, yeah, he disclosed Samantha. that his agency Some, began following the US initial, Cyber Command's initiative uh, for of so-called Hunt Forward operations. <laughs> this sees the UK deploying military cyber experts in foreign nations to look for malicious activity. The interview also overlays the state of the UK's new national cyber force, how the war in Ukraine influenced strategic priorities, and how the agency interacts with private industry. A link to the full interview is available in our show notes at CISOseries.com. Okay. All right. Well, let's see. Um, this is an interesting story, okay? Uh, parsing some words out here. Let me check the time. Parsing some words. So British Army General says UK is hunting forward, okay? Very, very similar to the newest guidance coming out from the United States federal government around um, hacking back and um, proactively looking for bad, essentially threat hunting at the nation state level. That's what this is. Now they call it, it's funny because they're mincing words here. They're calling it a defensive strategy. It is threat hunting, but what is happening is they are going to other countries, right? And executing an operation using American or UK resources, but on behalf of the host country, effectively, you know, skilling up their capability. And of course, whatever telemetry, whatever behavior, whatever we find, US or UK finds in those spaces, I'm sure they're sharing it with the host country, but they're also feeding it back into their own telemetry. This gives UK and United States the ability to have forward operating posts, essentially, uh, in other countries that may be less sophisticated from a cyber capability where threat actors, nation, nation state uh, threat threats would think it's a softer target. Um, that's all this is. This is threat hunting. And by the way, if you don't know what threat hunting is, threat hunting is where you don't have any alerts going off, right? It's not like, oh, there's a malware detonated or Mimikatz is running. Nothing is showing up on the board, but you go into the network, you go into endpoints and you start looking around to see if there is malicious behavior happening because EDR solutions can be bypassed. Um, living off the land can be done like low and slow uh, C2 communications and persistence mechanisms exist. So there is no silver bullet. Uh, threat actors and pen testers for that matter can bypass and, and hide from security technology. So the only way to find them is to go looking, right? Uh, essentially, think of it like this, okay? This is what threat hunting is, to make it very simple. Threat hunting is like hide and seek. So in a normal world, when you have an EDR or endpoint detection and response or anti-malware or whatever, you play hide and seek, but you have an agent, a bot running around and, and if they see someone hiding behind a tree, they're like, Jerry, there's someone hiding behind this tree. That's EDR, okay? But let's say someone's hiding in like an HVAC duct. Well, the EDR is running around and doesn't see anything, but you have to go play hide and seek. You're the seeker. So you have to go look around. And the crappy thing is you don't know if you're playing with one person, 50 people. You don't know how many people are hiding. So you never know if you got them all, right? Which is part of, which is part of the game, which is why we have mental health issues, right? Because you never know if you're actually done. But... That, that hide and seek is basically what threat hunting is, okay? And uh, this is just more, I don't want to say aggressive, but this is a geopolitical policy of how we're going to approach um, defensive operations. Timu referral scams on the rise. The direct from China e-commerce platform Timu uses customer referral codes to offer rewards for bringing people to the service. Because these rewards carry monetary value, scammers aren't far behind. Believing computer reports arise in sharing Timu referral codes on TikTok. 
These accounts imply clicking through the link will lead to sensitive photos of celebrities. There doesn't seem to be any malware tied to these videos, although scammer tactics could change at any time. What? There's increased... All right, so we had actually talked about Timu not too long ago. Um, let's see. It looks like... So here's the deal. Um, this is a social engineering attack. Timu is basically some type of, like, I, I guess, website for purchasing stuff. This is social engineering 101. We see this. Guys, if you've been around, around long enough, there is a cyclical process. So pay attention because you will see this again if it's your first time. Sex sells, right? A lot of people will be lured, right? The term lure applies here, like fishing lure. People will be lured by money, get rich quick, um, and basically, uh, you know, nudes or, or, you know, provocative type of content. And it looks like on TikTok, people are releasing stuff like this uh, where you can you know, whatever, follow, uh, to, to learn more about this particular, uh, individual. And when you push through to it, it is a, it's a, it's a, it's a landing page. It's a phishing link. It's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's malware, right? I mean, that's all it, all it is at the end of the day is a different type of bait that you're sticking on the hook and casting out and trying to fish victims into falling for, um, whatever you're whatever you're trying to catch them for right if you're trying to steal their credentials if you're trying to get a crypto jacker on there what whatever it is um and you know like they're talking about celebrity photo leak videos flood right so i don't know what the i i don't understand how the referral codes make a difference on the timu thing i don't understand what the end goal is of the threat actors but it doesn't matter because we can fundamentally separate the attack from the impact, right? Like the attack is how they get you to fall for it. The impact can vary, right? They could they could switch what the what the URL goes to, right? If they use like a URL redirector and they could, you know, like, oh, it's malvertising today or it's fishing landing page tomorrow, it's your TikTok creds, what, whatever it is. You know, they could just harvest clicks, right? Maybe you got like one of those things, like every time you get a click, you get a buck or something like that. They could harvest that, whatever it is. It's just about um, catching people and that's all there is to it. So educate your end users, <gasps> educate your end users. And you know what? If you want, you can weaponize this yourself. All right. How do you weaponize this yourself? Well, what you can do is, and, and again, you might want to work this with HR and with your communications people, right? But the same reason people are going to stop and look at these pictures you can weaponize it and do something similar, but call out, hey, if you stopped and looked at this, you're one step closer to getting pwned by some threat actors because this is what they're doing. They're tricking you to click on this. So be mindful, you know, when you're on your own time, looking at your own phone in your own private spaces, you might be falling for an attack. This is not this woman. This is actually some dude in his apartment trying to harvest your data or steal your money. So if you're interested in getting robbed, click through. Okay? It's it's an opportunity. It's a great opportunity, frankly, to educate your end users. All right. Seeing recognition of the importance of CISOs to an organization. All right. Yet, unlike other C-suite level All right, guys. That it that concludes the uh, September 26th Tuesday uh episode 459 Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Um, I am your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. I do teach Tuesdays and Thursdays at the Citadel Military College in their cyber sciences department. And I actually have to boogie out of here to go teach. So no jock no jaw jacking today. I hope you guys had a great experience. A lot of entertainment value, a lot of educational value. 350 of you today. Um, much love. Team replay. I hope you get value too. Guys, I'll be back tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern time to run it back. And let's do it again. All right, guys. All the best. Do the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Hold on. Did Anthony pick anyone? Um, Jake, who got his net plus. Uh, Jake, who got his net plus, picked up the baton. So let's look forward. Um, let's look forward to Jake's post. Hey, Sherry. Good to see you. Hey, Michael Huskin. Great to see you. Hey, Steve Peral. Good to see you. Guys, I got to get out of here. Be well. And we'll see you tomorrow at 8 a.m. Till next time, stay secure.
everybody. I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts, and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content, and we'll see you in the next one.